0: Wow, good, 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 good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, don't clap for me. Clap for the only one who deserves all our clap. Can we just bless the Lord this morning? Good morning. Uh, It is so good to see you this morning, and I'm, I'm so happy to be here for a very different reason. Because ever since the very moment I stepped out of that door last Sunday, I asked God, God, thank you. Have you said all that you want to say? Uh, actually, as, as a person just uh, led to proclaim the gospel, that is my conscientious, always-asked question. Have you said everything that you want to say? And I stepped out of the door, and I realized, okay, he, yeah. Was, I wasn't you know, being like this, but that's good. But there was, as soon as I hopped into the garden, greeted everyone, God just began to speak. In a way, I said, you need to open up your Bible and you need to read with me. I couldn't go home. (laughs) So I said, park the car again. Let's read the Word of God. And for a whole week, I've been just journeying with God over the Word that He wants to give to you. And it is my privilege That God, for His body of Christ, will allow me to constantly stand before Him and to listen to Him, to think with Him, to just walk with Him. So today, as much as it could be a sermon, no, it is, let's say, a projection, uh, a delivery, a witness report to everything that God has engraved on my heart throughout the whole week even this morning, for you, for us. And I pray the Holy Spirit will not only just be here, but be enrichingly, fully in you, so that you will breathe with the Holy Spirit every second of the day. Amen? So let's pray for that. Let us close our eyes and pray. Father God, good morning to you. What a blessed day it is. Because, Father, today the fact that we opened our eyes and we see the light, that in itself is a miracle. And it is your gift for us. Because it's not a continuation of yesterday, but it's a brand new day. Brand new life you have given to us. A brand new opportunity to listen to you, to walk with you, to talk to you, and to see you, to witness you. Just how beautiful. And wonderful you are. A day that you have orchestrated from the very beginning so that you may walk with us. So that you may reveal yourself to us. So that, Father, we may know you more intimately and be satisfied in all that you are. And, Father, you have given us this day as a born-again, a new creation in you. Your sons and daughters who now, Father, lead, Father, walk towards not dying day, but a new day. A day when we will open our eyes and we'll be changed with a twinkling of an eye. And Father, our body, soul, mind will be transformed in accordance to your perfect visage and image. So that we will walk with you for eternity. So Father, we thank you for this blessed day. Thank you for the gift that you have given to us, and thank you for the very fact that you are God who reveal yourself and speak to us. You are God who speaks. You are God who shows himself to His children. And Father, today we come to listen to you. We come to seek your face. So, Father, fill us, speak to us, reveal Yourself to us, and let us walk out that door as a victors in Christ, filled with the power and the strength and the peace that comes from Your very Word. Shalom. You are God who gives us truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's turn to that scripture right away. John, the very last chapter. John chapter 21, and we're going to start from verse 15. And I know many of you read this again and again, and I have too. And never so much has just God engraved in my heart, just deeply, And let's walk the verse together. Reading from ESV, this is a conversation that Jesus is having with Peter. And rather than going right through, I'm going to actually just walk with you. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast. So who's they? And I'm going to just pick out just very important person. And this is Peter and his brother who are originally fishermen. And they are at the Sea of Galilee, and they were fishing all night, and they have caught nothing. Guys, gentlemen, and ladies who worked all night, had nothing to eat. You got, you're, you're back in your home in the morning, and you're tired, and you're hungry. Do, do, do you get that feeling? Yes? I was in the military, and when I was in the military, we had a, shift, uh, a 12-hour shift from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., And it's a military post at the DMZ. You don't want to fall asleep. And at the same time, they don't feed you much. Uh, So all night, I'm up, uh, very nervous because of things going on, but at the same time, very hungry. And one of the things that kept me going through all those years in military was hot noodles (laughs) in the the middle of the night, which they provided at 12 a.m., and... Korea gets really cold as well. So their hot suit really helped. I remember it. But in the morning, you you, you have this feeling where I just don't want to do anything anymore, right? And all I wish is someone will feed me and just fall asleep. No shower, no washing hands. I'm gone. Okay? And that's all I want. Okay? And and that, that's the, the very state that Peter is in. And I just want to give you the background. As they were coming shore, and different scriptures say it, but it's about 100 meters away. So okay, it's a visible distance, but there, there is someone standing at the shore. And, and right beside him, there, there is this little fire going, if you could imagine. And a fish is being cooked. Have you smelled nice fish being cooked on a charcoal? When you are hungry, you will smell it 100 yards away. You will smell it anywhere. And it's been cooked. And and, and the boats are coming in, having caught nothing. And there is this gentleman here, and and something happened. Something miraculous happened where this gentleman says, have, Have you got any fish? Now, this is the annotated version, the animated version of Isaac. Hey, buddy, so did you catch something? Let me cook it up. Okay? And he says, no, nothing at all. Okay? So I got nothing at all. And he says, why don't you throw the net that way? Okay. Does does that kind of ring some storyline? Okay? What, What happened when God... Jesus first came to Peter. What happened? Weren't they in a similar situation? Okay. so th- For those of you who know the Bible, uh, back to front, yes, that's exactly what happened. The, uh, Peter was actually very used to being hungry. Peter is very used to being a fisherman who might catch nothing until the morning. Peter is used to living a life of suffering. Peter knows what it means to be hungry. Peter knows what it means to not to have money in your bank account. Peter knows what it means not being able to feed your family. Peter is a realistic man who actually is willing to suffer all night so that he might catch something and sell it at the market and give it to his children and keep up his family. Now, isn't that you? Isn't that responsible you? Isn't that us haven't you lived your life zealously, but sometimes, or no matter what I try, nothing works. Nothing happens. And no matter how hard I try, I cannot make it in life. But this is a strange thing that happened to Peter. Jesus walks and says a very simple command, "I know, according to your logic, nothing makes sense, but throw your net." to the opposite side. It's not the specific idea of which direction it is more effective. It's not the scientific idea of where the fish lives, whether it's 10 feet down or 30 feet down, whether net is suitable for this current or that current. No, it is not that. It is just the one issue. When God suddenly appears to your realistic situation and says, My son, my daughter, I know you're hungry. I know you're suffering. I know your life is hard. I know the challenge is there. But let me just speak to you one thing. Throw your net to the opposite side. And this requires two things. It requires a surrender of everything you know to be true. Because when God comes and shows himself, he comes with authority. And he is an all-knowing God who wants to show himself as God. He wants to, you to know undeniably that he is God. And he will say, throw that. And when Peter there Peter, this is a confession, I have Caught nothing throughout the night, meaning all my means and methods have run away, but I'll trust your word, Rabbi, and I will obey. So he threw the net, and to his stunning surprise, the def- Net was instantly caught with so many fish, he couldn't put it in his own boat. So he called other boats to help out. And their boats were filled, later counted 153. In fact, one of the Korean believers in the early 60s who read this word and was so convinced that this is what I should be doing, he started a company, a pen company, and called the pen Monami 153 and it is the most widely used pen in the whole nation still and he he began to experience the wonderful great blessings of God let me leave, let me just stop there and leave you w- with this God speaks when you read the word of God he will speak when you kneel down he speaks but He doesn't come with a storm. He doesn't come with a da da He doesn't come with a scientific education. But according to the PhD, da-da-da-da-da-da, no? He, he doesn't speak to your necessarily logical conviction or ideas because that's what failed you until this stage. That is what led you away from trusting God until this stage. So He will reveal yourself in a manner that by His authority alone can be achieved. And I want you to listen to that. And when he speaks, that's the time to be blessed. That's the time to obey. And Peter knew because in the beginning, in the the early chapters of John, when he met Jesus, this is what he did. He jumped off the boat, threw away his outer garment. Did you know that at those times, the outer garment is the most expensive, one of the most expensive belongings you could ever have? He threw it away. He Ran onto the water, onto the shore to where Jesus was. He knelt down and said, Leave me. Leave me. Do you know why? Because he just encountered the fact that there is truly a God who far exceeds all that he could ever imagine this world keeps on giving you the lies that you are it that all you see is the limit that you have to live in a desperado of just trying try 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 anyway try again i was watching zootopia with my kids just to see what kind of contents they were giving out. And for me, that last song by Zikara, was so not exciting, but hopeless. Because if my life is all about just trying, trying, and trying, and trying, and trying, let me tell you, that is not a life. Please, young guys here, my friends, do not fall into that lie. I'll try. Someday I'll make it. I'll try. Maybe I'll get lucky. Has this been your life motto for the last so many years? Mm -mm. God, the one who made you, is not only a provider and protector, but He is the giver of purpose. He gives direction. He has a will for you. He has an eternal will for you. My will for you is good. Good. What is good only comes from the one who is truly good. At the very last of John, chapter of John, John records how Christ came back to Peter at a stage when Peter denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And because he denied Jesus Christ, he was back at the Sea of Galilee. And he was back to his own life. And he was back to his own method. He was fishing just like he used to all night. And just like the hopeless state he was found in, he was again in the morning when the sun rose, still in the state of hopelessness, and at that very state of hopelessness, Christ comes. And He doesn't come by going, Peter, how could you? He didn't say that. No, He cooks a breakfast. I love Jesus. <laughs> he knows how to win my heart. <laughs> Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we some sometimes have arguments, you know, we could have arguments, but I know at the end of the day I'm gonna lose. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I know I have to lose. <laughs> because you see, whether I win or lose, next morning, when I smell that breakfast, my answer is you're right, honey. <laughs> And Jesus knew Peter very well. Peter is very, very interested about food. He is very interested about making it in life or keeping the ends meet. And when Jesus cooked up the fish on a charcoal, he said, come, have breakfast you could imagine what is happening to Peter because he already fell down. He did it again. He threw the coat away. Actually, this time he put it back on. Uh, he, he was already away because he was fishing naked all night. Well, did you know that? Uh, it's okay. It's a different time. Uh, Fishmen were gladly naked at those times because there was only men around. So he puts on his cloak. He runs through the water and he's like, "Ah." Oh. But that very state, going back to Jesus, Jesus loves Peter and he calls him to not repentance, not new mission, not something grandiose. No, he called back to breakfast. And do you know how important this is? In later Acts, we find that Peter repeats. His word and says the gospel was given not to anyone but to the one who ate together. For Peter eating together with Jesus Christ was the reality. And when he ate with Jesus once again, he couldn't say a word. And John takes us a little further when he had finished that breakfast, looking at Jesus eating and him eating. (laughs) I am hungry, so I'm eating. But I'm looking at Jesus, what is happening? And Jesus suddenly kind of pops up and says, he breaks the ice and he goes, Simon Peter. Simon Peter. Why is that so important? Because those two names, is the very name that Jesus refers Peter to when he wants to have a relationship with him. Listen carefully. Simon, son of John. Simon is his earthly name. And Peter is the ordained name. Christ gave it to him when he confessed, you are Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, Simon, it's not you, but the Holy Spirit who taught you. From today, your name is Peter. Cephas, which means the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, he said. It is a name of covenant. It means you're mine now. You are called. The Spirit is in you. You're mine. Now, I'm sure pretty much that nearly... Neely? And I say nearly because just in case there is someone who do not have a personal relationship with Christ this morning, I just want you to note that. But if you have personal Christ, relationship with Jesus Christ, it is the same thing. Your name has changed. Your name has changed from not just Simon, but to Peter. He's not just calling you so-and-so, Isaac. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Peter. No, he's saying, you are my son. But here on the first question, he goes back to the original name, Simon. He goes back to the original name, Simon. Do you know why that is so important? Because it means he knows the very stage that I was originally found. Do you have a name that only your mom knows? Yes? Do you have a name that only your dad knows? Well, you see, after this, he's always called Peter. But Jesus says, Simon, son of John. Calls his father's name too. Now, the reason this is so important is because Jesus is now coming back to you. Some of you have walked away. Or some of you have friends who have walked far away. Some of you, you know in your heart, sometimes you deny Christ. You denied Christ yesterday before that money decision. You denied Christ before clicking onto that pornography site. You denied Christ before you knew that God wanted you to come to Him, but you went to a different place where you should not have been. And let me not, I'm not trying to poke your sin here. I'm trying to say that every time we sin, we are actually saying, Jesus, I don't want you. Jesus, I'm not a Christian. Every time we conscientiously know and make a decision to sin what i'm saying is i don't belong to you but in fact for jesus that's not the case once you are the child of god you are forever the child of god when you are born as my boy you're my boy when you're born as my girl you're my girl and what jesus saying is wherever you are i am going to you I am going to you, and I want you to remember this. As a Christians, if you have friends and families and fr- neighbors around you who have walked away from Christ and are living in sin, please do not approach them with judgmental eyes. Please do not categorize them. But instead, be loving as Jesus Christ, who goes back to the original name, Simon, with the loving, tender name Simon, and it said, Simon, do you love me more than all these? The Bible specifically says, Do you love me more than these? And for Peter, do you know what these are? These are provision, and protection. Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than the job? Do you love me more than the job security? Do you love me more than inheriting your dad's business? Do you love me more than being at the safe location where everyone knows you and you know everyone and there's no doubt that you're going to have a sound, peaceful life that, that you, your needs are met? I, I, are these more important? So important that when I died on the cross, you rejected me three times before a girl servant and you ran away when the rooster crowed three times and you were crying and crying and said, I cannot help this anymore. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. And you run to your original life of your own provision and own protection. The reason I cry out to you this morning is because this is the reality. This is the reality. It's not someone else's story. It's our story. We fall into this trap every single day. Even though Christ died for us while we were yet still sinners, we choose to constantly run away from God and hide in our own means of provision and protection are you doing that then to you Christ is asking do you love me more than these do you love me am I shouting I hope I'm not let me let me have a a little fun conversation with you just there and I think this is important let me ask you a question how do you know that someone loves you, Tim? How do you know How do you know you? Oh they are so happy I, 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 there's no doubt about it okay <laughs> how, how How do you know someone loves you when, when, when your husband says to you, "Honey, I love you how just just how do you how do we as a human beings know? That you love someone or you being loved someone. And I just thought deeply about it. You may agree, disagree, but this is what I came with as I was reflecting on the Bible. You know you love someone by what you remember. Let me just expand on that. You know you're loved by someone when you remember the day when that gentleman ran to you with their flowers and knelt before you and said, Would you marry me? You received his heart. You received a token of his heart. You received a little symbol of commitment. When you receive something, you know and you remember it. And that becomes an evidence of by which you know you're loved. There's one more thing. The experience that you have with that person also teaches you that you are being loved or you love someone. I was just thinking about, okay, what, what happened? Uh, I, you know, I love my wife, Claire, so I just, I just thought about what, what happened between us and And uh, I went back to young memories. Oh, no, young. I am young. Okay, Uh, you know, early memories. And um, I remember one day, um, my wife, when I bring her flowers, always says, why did you waste money on something that you cannot eat? (laughs) Did you know that I went to the fresh flower market 4 a.m. in the morning so that I can pick the most freshest one before you went to the stores? And I've been sitting here until the bus starts for three hours. And just to get here, it took me another two hours. I was here yesterday, so it took me nearly 24 hours to get these flowers. And you tell me, uh, why did I buy this? (laughs) Well, obviously, you haven't received flowers, haven't you, girl? And you don't know the joy of receiving flowers. So from this day on, I'm going to give it to you regularly. So until this day, I made a commitment. I give flowers. <laughs> you, no, you cannot eat them, <laughs> but I'm still going to give flowers. And what I realized one day was my, my, my wife comes from a, came from a very difficult time when our economy was difficult, her family was difficult. And, you know, flowers is not something, it's a luxury for her. I, I understand. But I realized I wanted to be loved. I wanted to realize the sense of being loved, what it means to be loved, the joy of receiving something. So one day on her birthday, I, I, I got some flowers. Then I went to her house and I realized there's an elevator. Oh, in Korea, there is a lot of elevators because they're all high-rise. And I went to the elevators and I realized, wow, this is a one bad elevator because some of the smokers live on that building. And it felt like smoke. So do you know what I did? I said, I need some deodorant, and I need some decorations, and I need some flowers. And what I did was, I planted these incense uh, on the top of the elevator, uh, on the shaft where no one can see. Then I decorated the whole back of the elevator with uh, the, you know, saying, I love you thing. And, and then with the flower vest, more like a hotel, you know what I mean? And, and, and then... I just did a surprise. I said, hey, where are you, honey? And uh, she was coming in, and I said, hey, I'll meet you in the house. And I was in the elevator for 30 minutes. You can imagine the number of people coming in and out and saying, hi. <laughs> Who did this? Uh, you know, but <laughs> and I was just watching it. And then she came in, don't open, and said, da-da, <laughs> Happy birthday. And uh, she she nearly freaked out, so she started running away. And and but I said, honey, I love you. Happy birthday. And I remember just she standing there, I'm standing, I'm trying to keep the elevator door open. You can come in, you may come in. And uh, she still talks about it uh, sometime now. And I realized um I, I used to do this spontaneous stuff. And guys uh, who are not married, if you're single, it is okay to be spontaneous. Just be wild, be radical. I mean, it's just you new, know, Be of extraordinary, be a man, yes. <laughs> just, just be, I mean, who cares if you make a mistake? I mean, it is for the love's sake. I mean, and, and so we had experiences like that. And, and there was times when she had to go away for a year. And this is another event. And I said, oh, man, what do I do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be depart from a whole year. What do I do? So I went to a jewelry shop uh, while I was traveling. For, uh, for, I was doing missions even then. So I had to stop by at Dubai. The plane stopped by Dubai. And they have a gold market. And the gold is reasonably cheaper. So I, I looked at a very cheap one. I should have not said that. Okay. Is, is this recorded? <laughs> okay. And, 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 you know, the budget. So it, I bought whatever I could, but I bought a sun necklace. It, it looks like a Dubai sun. You know, it's like a, and I got it, and I think, wow. I mean, Korean ladies don't like a sun. I mean, why did I buy this? And I'm thinking, I, I had a good intention, but not a good plan. So what do I do? Then I realized, huh this is what I'm going to do. So on the, her day of departure, I went to the airport, and we were saying goodbye, da-da-da. And I said, could, you, could I have you, you know, for a minute? And uh, she had no idea. And I went to this little, nice, warm, bright, sunny spot in the airport. And, and, and then I nailed down. And she thought, I'm going to propose. Not yet, lady. <laughs> okay. This is just a prerequisite. Okay. And I, I nailed down and I opened the box. And it wasn't a ring. And she was stunned twice. And it was it a was an necklace. And I said, what's this? And I said, well, I put it on her. And I said, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy. And then when she was away, we talked on the, on the Skype nearly every single day. I actually should have just gone to her because I paid more for the phone bills than an airline fee. And this wasn't good. But luckily I was earning some money. So I called her every time. And about every three months, I did a little song. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And what I realized was that is a kind of a resonance of the message. Now, when I think back, I'm thinking, man, Isaac, you were crazy. You were crazy, weren't you? And I think I was crazy. But isn't that the joy of being loved and loving? Isn't God spontaneous for us? while He has known all the plans, look at what He does. It's out of the ordinary. It's extraordinary. How could God who created, let there be, suddenly decide for us to come in the very form of His creation and say, I love you. How could it be? You know someone loves you when you remember the experiences you had. But more importantly, you know someone loves you and you know you love someone when that person sacrifices something for you or you find yourself gladly sacrificing. I I find God so wonderful in a sense that God made us men physically stronger and God also has put us as the head, head of the household Not so that we can boast and say, oh, I'm the head of the household. Or just have this dominance game like a male game. No, instead it says very after, Therefore love your wife as Christ has loved the church by laying his life down. The love of God that God has implanted in every man is to lay our lives down. I'd rather die than see a scratch on my boy. I'd rather die than to see my wife losing her liberty. I'd rather die than to see my family losing the very joy that they have. I'm called to protect. I'm called to lead. I'm called to love by sacrifice. It is okay. I'd rather get up 3 a.m. in the morning and do the chores if that means my wife will not be sick. I'd rather go that extra mile and be with my girl four five hours into the night if that means she will not be scared. By becoming a parent, what I realize is when I love someone truly, I will give it up. I will let go of my privileges. I'll let go of my advantages. I'll let go of the joy that I could take. But instead, let it go willingly as Christ has willingly laid His life down for us so that we may find His grace. You know you'll love someone when someone lays their life down. No better friend is there than the one who li- lays his life down for his friend. Peter fit into all three categories. When Jesus said, Do you love me more than these? Peter, I imagine, had a flashback memoir of the time when Jesus fed the five thousand men and the woman, and the children, expecting more than 10,000. And I'm sure he remembered the time when Jesus said, didn't you get it already? It's not about the bread. It's not about the bread. I can feed you. The bread, true bread, is doing the will of God. When he was disciplined like that by God, he knew, ouch, I am so conscientious about bread more than his will. Ouch. But more than that, Remember when Peter met Jesus very after the next scene is his mother is sick. Sick to the point she cannot get up. In those days, not getting up means danger of dying. It was the same in our country in the long before when we had no penicillin or antibiotic. If you go down and don't get up, it means you'll die. And here... His own mother, she has no other solution. But Jesus comes in and heals her completely so much that she gets up immediately and begins to help with the housework and cooks food for the people. Just imagine that. Peter is saying, Ah, I remember But not only those provisional times, but also that when Jesus, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, the sea which he knew so well, there is a storm that is about to capsize the boat, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And Peter said, the disciples go, please wake up. Don't you worry about us dying. And and Jesus wakes up and says, why? What's wrong with you? I am with you. And he says, be calm. And the sea calms down. And I bet he also remembered the time when he went ahead to the opposite side after God's ministry, Jesus' ministry. And they had a storm again. And he saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter says, is it you, Lord? Is it really you? And Jesus says, Yes. Yeah. Then can I go to you? And Jesus says, Come. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Come to me. All you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. To me, fix your gaze on me. And no matter what the storm is, take that first step like Moses and experience the water parting or your water firming. And Peter walked on that water and he realized it is not my means of protection, but it is only by the one, the true Savior. You are the Christ the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior. You are God. He remembered, but he also remembered the fall. Did I fall? Fall. And he's reaching out, and Jesus comes and picks him up and says, you of little faith why didn't you keep your eyes on me, little boy? Hey, just keep your eyes on me, bud. That's what I tell my son when he's going to a new challenge. I hold his hand and say, just keep your eyes on me. You'll be fine. Walk by faith. Peter says, Lord, Lord, that's the relationship. Lord, it means I surrender. Lord it means I need you. Lord, Lord, you know that I love you. It is because He remembered, and we talked about last week how important it is for us to remember all that God has done. And out of many things that you could possibly imagine every single day and record in your Bible and in your diary, one thing that you must never forget is what He has done to save you because Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? Second time. The first time He said, feed my lamb. It means the feeding issue, eating issue, protection issue is done. Feed my little lambs. It means I will feed you. You feed them. I am the feeder. You work for me. But the second, I, do you love me? Peter is another reminder. Are you committed to me? And are you really mine? The second question kicks in because he denied Jesus three times. And the second calling that Jesus always called him back is, do you Believe that I am your Lord. He's asking you, he's asking you, do you really believe that I am your Savior, Lord? And if that's the case, our life will never actually be the same because we are no longer ours. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you love me? Do you? Do you? Have you surrendered? Have you given your life fully, unreserved, to God? When you give your life to God, it will forever, ever, ever be transformed. How do I know? I am living it. And I know you're living it too. And I know that many other, our forefathers in faith have lived that life And let me just run through the whole book of Acts for you until chapter 12. What happened to Peter? This is the animated version, okay? Peter, who was scared and running away, suddenly went back after meeting Jesus Christ, after confessing that, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And when the Spirit was promised to Peter, he went back to Jerusalem, where the people who wanted to kill Christians were there. And they gathered in the upper room, 120 of people, and they began to pray. They began to pray because it was not longer my life, but I am committed to the promise of Christ. And they prayed, prayed, prayed until the promised Holy Spirit will come. And when He came, He came with such a power, He transformed Peter. Do you know how He transformed Peter? He made him bold as a lion because he stood on the front of the market and said, people, what you see happening to us right now, it is by the power of God. But that power of God only comes to those who believe in Jesus Christ, that you killed, that you hung on the cross. He knew that that is an antagonistic way of putting it, but he proclaimed the gospel boldly. And 3,000 were added on that There there was so much power in his life when he saw a lame man sitting in the front of the temple. He said, I do not have silver or gold. Why is this important? Because that's exactly what he relied on. He said, I don't have silver or gold. I don't trust in silver or gold. But what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, Rise. And that alone was enough to heal a man who signaled hopelessness to everyone who walked into the temple because God cannot heal that lame man. But Peter, coming with the power of Christ, not even laid his hand down, but looked at him with love and he commanded in the name of Jesus Christ and he stood up. And when people are asking, oh, what happened? He again proclaimed the gospel. And when the leaders of the, of the Sanhedrin's and leaders of the Pharisees, they were all conscientious about what is happening. They locked Peter up. But he was praising God in the prison. And when the, the angel of God was sent, the whole jail was opened up for him, even though the guards were standing there. And the Spirit of God told him, Go to the middle, go to the market center in the morning when everyone gathers together to trade and proclaim the gospel. So when they saw that Peter was proclaiming once again, they were startled and called Peter back, why are you preaching the gospel? And he said, should I please men or should I please God? Look at this Peter who ran away from a little servant girl is now standing before the very one who killed Jesus Christ and says, Shall I please you or shall I please the one that have made me and called me? And they were bum in the back and they were disciplined not to preach the gospel again, but they went out the door joyful. Woo-hoo! Yeah, I was counted worthy enough to have this in the back. See? There, I'm proud. And when the persecution broke, he didn't mind. He preached and he preached. And even when a centurion who could arrest him sent people to get him. Do you know what Peter was doing near Capernaum? In Joppa? Near Joppa? He was on the top of the house. My father's name is Peter. He does the same thing. (laughs) He always goes top of the building where no one can see. And whenever God doesn't tell him to do anything, he goes. (sighs) And there he saw a vision. There he heard God saying, go with these men. Because the gospel will be preached not only to the Jews, but even to the Gentiles. And thereby he truly became the key. The key of the gospel from the leader of the disciples who are directly now transferring to the Gentiles and the gospel began to be spread even wider because he later went back to the church of Jerusalem and told them, if the Spirit is coming upon Gentiles, who am I to say No. And then when James was killed, he too was arrested. What a life. What a life. What a life. Look, the gospel transforms by three simple questions. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? And God is asking us this morning, my son, my daughter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. Be on the very mission that I'm on. Tend my sheep. Complete the great commission. Go ye therefore. Make disciples of all nations. And he says also feed the sheep. Raise the leaders who will lead the next generation for the kingdom of Christ, just like you raise the children. God wants to empower us and this church in a, such a way that you will always be empowering other leaders because you are being empowered by the gospel of Christ every single day. And I'm glad that Dr. Wheeler, David Wheeler, who's now joining our church uh, from July, I believe, I I have learned so much from that gentleman. But one thing crucial that he taught me was live on mission. Live on mission. One day I remember I asked him, what is the best method to raise disciples? And do you know what he said? Through evangelism, for evangelists. He might actually say that again. (laughs) You might hear it but his life and his whole family's life is incarnationally engraved on the mission of God. And I envy that so much because I see how God can motivate, empower, and energize, and deploy the men of God to the every corners of the globe. God will use you to transform this world. God will use your family to change a generation, God will use you and your family to forever change the town and your local neighborhood. God changes. The whole future generation of your family, of your family, of your family, onto the thousands of generations. Why? Because God is our Father and He wants our children not only to be mature, but strong so much in Jesus Christ that there is nothing that holds us. Am I shouting again? Do you love me? You know, for the last three weeks, I had this great privilege of sharing the words that God is laying on my heart. And never did I think that on this day, God will pretty much summarize what we talked about for the last three weeks through one hymn that Fred and the choir has beautifully led us to hear. And let me just read this for you. How great thou art. O Lord, my God, I, in awesome wonder, consider, remember, all the world thy hands have made so beautifully for me, so beautifully. I see the stars, oh my, that universe. I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe is clearly displayed. You see, He is our provider. When through the woods and forest, glades I wander. I was coming into here, Rocky Mountain, and you know the borderline between the other county and the Franklin County? Is, Is this Franklin County? Yeah, when you're coming in. And it's the bridge, and it comes up, and there are these tall trees on the left and right. you know what I'm talking about when you come back? It's a very short distance, but there is this particular section. It's a little corner, and it's got tall, tall trees that gives a whole different kind of lime green to the whole atmosphere, it's like you're in the middle of this beautiful forest, and it just gives that feeling. And I'm, I'm thinking, "Oh, Ichoa, <laughs> Ichoa, so good." I, I had to take my sunglasses off. Wow, this is beautiful, God. And hear the birds singing sweetly in the trees. Every morning, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. If you ever have a desire, put this on your bucket list. Can I go to New Zealand, please, Dad? Because I remember sitting in the thousand, a few thousand feet high Mount Narahoi, I think it was. It's a Maori name. And it's New Zealand. Ozone is out. the The distance you can see is miles on end. It's more like Colorado, and I remember, as you get up that hill, the first is like a forest. The second is like a desert. The third is like a volcanic pools with green and purple, and it's like all bubbling up and it's like about to burst. Then on right on top there is an ice peak, and when you stand on top of that volcanic very top of that volcano and you look out to your east and you look out to your west, you will see two other volcanic mountains that shape New Zealand. And I remember how great power. Ah, Isn't it beautiful? And when I think that God, His Son, not Spirit, sent him to die, I scarcely can take it in. I told, I share with you again and again, I don't know how anyone could choose to lay his son's life down. I just I just thought about it this morning and I, 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 I don't know how. But can I remind all of us that's what God has done for us. That's How precious you are. That's how valuable you are and you are. I scarcely can take it. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. And as we sang the very hope we have, when Christ shall come with a shout of acclamation and take me home, Where you are is my home. What joy shall fill my heart. If this is the joy I feel here, what joy I'll feel in you, with you, face to face. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim, My God, my God, my God, how great thou art, how great thou art. Lord, you know Everything I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you because you have first loved me. Are you walking with Christ? He's calling out to you, Do you love me? Do you love me? And if you haven't made that response in a long, long time, isn't today the day? Isn't this the hour? Wherever you are, whatever you this is a beautiful, sunny day. The weather gods. but it's not just sunny because it's sunny. It's not just sunny because you feel like it's sunny. It is sunny because it is a gift of God who wanted it to be sunny for you so that you will feel and see the everlasting tender love for you that is shining like the sunlight in your life. What is your response to God? Shall we just take some time to pray? Let's close our eyes.